year. Uh, we got back from Boston uh, last after yesterday afternoon around 3.30 or so. And I was exhausted because I didn't sleep well the night before and, and uh, fell asleep early last night and got up this morning. Just glad to be home. Uh, had a great time. Um, got to got to go do one of my favorite things. Was talking with Anita. Now it was our anniversary, and that's why we went away. So I apologize to my wife for dragging her down to uh, Newburyport to see the grave of George Whitefield or Whitfield, George Whitfield. Uh, but I was excited. Uh, what a blessing it was! And I learned some things, and you all should be very thankful uh, that it isn't that church today isn't like it was back then. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, back then, uh, nowadays, I, I get comments and complaints that I preached too long. Back then, they would have complained I didn't preach long enough. The average church service lasted three hours. So, on my worst day, I've never reached that. <laughs> now, uh, and they didn't have heat back then. Uh, one of the back the, the the building was absolutely beautiful. The church where he's he's buried underneath the pulpit, uh, the church that he preached at often in Newburyport. Uh, it's not a it, it's not a, a Baptist church there. It's a it's a Presbyterian church, uh, but uh, it was it was a blessing to see that. Learned some 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 cool things and and got to see where he was buried and got to see a Paul Revere bell that was all on top of everything else. So it was it was a good time in the Lord. Uh, a good time to be there and to hear about him and, and to, uh, to fellowship with a man who went to the same college Pastor Williams did. Uh, didn't know that until uh, he, he mentioned it during the, the tour. But uh, think about it and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I won't preach for three hours, I promise. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to uh, uh, finish our, uh, it's perfect timing. Uh, I, I, my, my plan is, my prayer is, that we're going to do a series of sermons uh, on in, through December on Christmas. And so the, the timing of this is just about perfect. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 18 down through 24. I'll read it again. Uh, we'll pray, and uh, then we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, spend some time um, in the Word. Verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, uh, or Tychicus, uh, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you the same, for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our God, that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Father, I ask for your help this morning that I might be able to present your truth, your word, uh, Father, in your way. God, I pray that you would give me the power to, to speak, Lord, the words to say, Lord, that even the, the, the reasoning and the thought, Lord, may it all be of you. And anything of me, Father, I ask that you would remove it from my mind, Lord, that, that I would only say uh, your truth. And God, may you bless it and use it for the furtherance of the gospel, for the strengthening of your people, Lord, for our edification. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, 
we have been studying through the book of Ephesians, and just as we're coming to the conclusion of it, I just want to do a quick wrap-up of everything that we've been talking about uh, since we started this. And we started at the beginning of the year, uh, the first month in January, talking about actually in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at the battles that we're, that we're, that we're to face, because we need to be prepared for the day of battle. There has been a spiritual battle going on, and there will be always be a spiritual battle going on in, in a Christian's life. Amen? Uh, uh, every day, we, uh, we, the Bible says, we, battle, we, we, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and, and rulers of darkness. It's a spiritual battle we fight. It isn't the Democrats. It isn't the Republicans. It isn't the liberals. It isn't the progressives. It isn't, the, it isn't any of those things. It isn't the Catholics. You know who we fight? It's Satan himself. And, and so, so we need to be prepared uh, for this day of battle. And, and some of it is, is in protecting ourselves, and other of it is, is in going forward. But we, we started there, but then we went back to Ephesians chapter 1, because uh, listen, Paul was writing a letter to the Ephesians, and, and this was just the end of it. The beginning of it began to talk about their beliefs and the things that, that they understood to be true, that God in his... In his uh, unlimited, eternal, infinite mind was able to, before, before anything else was, was begun, had made a plan to purchase or redeem those that would be lost. Us. All of mankind. Amen? Uh, 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 that, 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 that was planned by God. That it, was, it was done through the work of Jesus Christ. It has worked in the heart of the people through the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and man, there, was, there was great blessings in that. We were made to be acceptable. Because before salvation, we're not acceptable unto God. Before salvation, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans tells us that we are born in sin and that we sin because we're sinners. Uh, just like a dog barks because he's a dog. He doesn't meow. He doesn't chirp like a parakeet. He barks. You know why? Because he's a dog. He does dog things. He digs holes in your yard. He chases bones and chases cats because he's a dog. We're sinners. We sin. That's what we do. It's part of our flesh. It's, now you can say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, we're, not supposed to, we're not supposed to compare ourselves one with another. I'm not supposed to look, look at Brother Frank and say, well, I'm not as bad as Brother Frank. I mean, I could say that. I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're not supposed to compare ourselves one with another. The Bible says that if we compare ourselves one with another, we become fools. We're actually supposed to compare ourselves to goodness. Well, what is the measure of goodness? It's God. We're going to compare ourselves with holiness. That's God. We're, so, and we all fall short to, uh, to the holiness of God because we are born in sin. It's just our sin nature. And we act out that sin nature in our lives. You don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to teach a child to steal. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. We, we do those things on our own because it's our nature. We try to teach our children uh, to not do those things, but even then it's still our nature because you have a whole lot of selfish, stealing, thieving adults, don't we? Now that being said, God, through Christ, made us acceptable unto him. He saved us. He redeemed us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 uh, goes, on to, uh, goes on to tell us that the, the resolution, that, 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 that revolution that, that took place in the life of every believer, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were underneath the, the authority of the devil, that we were uh, without hope, but in Jesus Christ uh, he redeemed us. The Bible says in verse 4 of chapter 2, but God who is rich in mercy, I am so thankful for the mercy of God and what God did for me. He took me from the darkness and he put 
put me into life. He took me out of the mire and he cleaned me up. Uh, he, he radically changed me. He justified me. It had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of, it's, it's not of what we do, it's what, what he does. But it, it, listen, when we got saved, his work wasn't finished, was it? The Bible says in verse 10 that we are his workmanship. He's continuing to work in us. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says it this way, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. While he sees us as saved and justified, he's, he, he's, he's placed the righteousness of Jesus Christ on, on us. He's declared us innocent uh, because of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. All, those, all of our sin was bore upon him. He sees us as just. Uh, 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 there's still this whole you know, sin nature that we deal with. And he can, he's continuing to work on us through the word of God and the spirit of God to sanctify us. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 to the Father. He said, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are told multiple times through the book of Ephesians and through other places in the word of God that we are to, to, to transform our mind, that we're to renew our mind through the reading of the word of God. In fact, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, it says that God, or Jesus Christ, is, is cleansing the church through the water of the word of God, that he might present it uh, without spot or wrinkle, without any kind of blemish, perfect unto himself uh, when he comes, comes back. So there's this, this act of sanctification this, that is continuing to take place in the life of every Christian. And so in Ephesians 1, we saw the, the plan of God and those things that we believe. In, in chapter 2, we saw uh, what God did for us and how there, there's an inheritance waiting for us. And, and there are works that God has created us unto to do. In chapter 2 and chapter 3, uh, he says, uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, he says, So if you're saved and if you believe all these things, then you need to start doing these things. It says, walk worthy of the vocation with, with, with which you are called. As a child of God, if you're saved, God has called you unto good works. Said that back in chapter 2, verse, verse, verse 10. That God created you and I to, to do good works. That we're to live our life out in accordance with the word of God, allowing God to, yes, sanctify us, yes, work in us. But there are things that we are to do that are to point other people to Christ. So Ephesians 5, or Matthew chapter 5 says this way, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It, it, it isn't about us and, and us looking good. It's about God making us acceptable and making us to, to become, the, and again, this is in chapter 1, the praise of his glory, that our lives might be a reflective image of Jesus Christ, that we might be that, that, that perfect representation. Now, it'll never happen on this earth. We're not going to be perfect, and we're not going to be sinless on this earth. But one day we will be. One day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see him as he is and the Bible says we'll be like him. What a day that will be that we will no longer have the burden of sin, the burden of guilt. Listen, you're not, if we're saved, we're not guilty anymore. Romans 8 tells us that. that, no, that there's no condemnation upon those that are saved. But we carry guilt. We carry the memories of those things. We're still tempted by those things, but one day we won't be anymore. What a day that will be. 
So, so we're, we're, we, we, we talked about uh, what we believed and, and what God did and, and how God has told us to live. And, and, and then we talked about the, the, the practicality of that, that we're to put away lying in chapter 5. Uh, chapter 4 and 5 talks about the things that we're to put away and things that we're to do. And some, if you lied, put away lying, and then you do the truth. You speak the truth. It's, it's very practical things. And we got right into our, even the way that we deal with one another, husbands and wives and wives and husbands and fathers and children, and how we interact with one another. But we got into chapter 6, and we began to deal with this idea of the battles that we face. And again, there are spiritual battles we face, and we looked at the armor of God, and since we'd already looked at it, we, we kind of skimmed over it quickly, and I won't go through it again, but, but God has given us certain things, uh, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the, 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 our loins girded about with truth, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace, the peace, uh, all of those things to protect us from the, from the attacks of Satan. And then last week we talked about, in chapter, verse 18, how that is part of, there's no period after verse 17, it's a continuation of the thought uh, in verse 17. When, so when he says praying always, that prayer is part of the act of warfare and how necessary it is for you and I to pray. Praying always. It's, uh, how important is it for us to pray? It's, it's at all times, in all ways, for, every, for all saints, for, in every way. It's, we're, we're to be very careful and we're to, be, to watch there and to, we're to be alert under the dangers uh, because this is how we fight through prayer. Jesus told the disciples that you can't go into the strong man's house. We, we talked about this last week. You can't go into the strong man's house unless first you're buying the strong man. Listen, we live, although we can't see it, we live in the strong man's house. And we're not going to do anything for God unless first we bind the strong man. And listen, you and I can't bind the strong man. We need somebody stronger to do it. So we pray, and the Holy Spirit of God works and, and guides us and strengthens us and, and, and enables us and allows us to, 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 to see souls saved for him. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do those things on our own. And that's where we talked about last week. We're going to continue on here in verse verse 19, it's, it is a continuation. He says, while you're praying for all saints, while you're praying uh, all prayers and supplications in the, in the Spirit, being watchful, he says, while you're doing that, pray for me. He says, while you're praying, pray for me. There's many times in Scripture where, where Paul asked, uh, he asked the church to Colossae. He asked uh, the, the Corinthian church. You can go through in every letter he wrote. He always asked them to, to pray for him. And, and he, he always asked for the same thing. Pray for utterance. Pray for boldness. Pray for open doors. That he can get out there and preach the word. I want you to remember where he is when he writes this letter to the church at Ephesus. He's in bonds. He is in change. He's not, he not sitting in his office somewhere in a, in a beautiful building. He's not, he's not sitting at a, at a desk uh, uh, in his home. He, uh, he is in chains, uh, chained to, to, to those that, uh, that, that are watching him because he is a, a prisoner, a prisoner of the Lord. So he ha I thought he was a prisoner of the Romans. He was, but he was there because God wanted him to be there. He says, Notice this bold operation. He's asking for boldness. And for me, that utterance may be given to me. The word utterance there is not just saying that God would give me words. 
There are a lot of fools that utter a lot of words. Sometimes the more somebody talks, you realize the less they know. You ever meet somebody like that? Ever be somebody like that? <laughs> it's actually better to keep your mouth shut and let people think that you're a fool than to open your mouth and make them realize they're right. <laughs> but what's he saying? He's saying, he's saying, pray for me that I might have utterance. Uh, the word utterance means the, 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 the logic, the reasoning, the, the ability to, to bring forth coherent thought. Because listen, when we're talking about the gospel, it's, it's, it, it, we need to be able to speak to somebody's heart. You're not going to convince them. Because the Bible says that the, if the gospel is hid, it's hid to them, they're lost. In fact, until their eyes are opened spiritually, they'll not understand the gospel. The Bible says the preaching of the cross to them is foolishness. So you can stand in your corner and you can shout as loud as you want. You can knock on door. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things. But if you're doing it in your own ability, in your own, your, your own strength, guess what's going to happen? You're going to stand. You're going to shout. You're going to do whatever you do. But none of it's going to be effective. What's Paul praying for? That he'd be effective. Because it doesn't do any good just to, to, to speak the gospel. It's important that, that it, it affects her heart. John 6, 34, Jesus said, unless the Father draws them unto him, they can't be saved. Now, we're, again, we're not, I'm not getting into, we don't believe in Calvinism. Anybody can be saved. Uh, in fact, God desires that all would be saved. But God also understands and, and knows who will be saved, who would, who would choose him. And it's in, it's in Ephesians, it, 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 we talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, the, the, in, those whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. God knows who will choose him and who will not. So he's asking for God to give him the, the ability to speak and preach with boldness. Notice, give me utterance that I may open my mouth boldly. Now, it's one thing to just to, to, to speak with authority. But the reason behind it is found at the end of the verse, to make known the mystery of the gospel. He says, pray for utterance that I might go out and speak boldly. Because otherwise, uh, I, in fear and trepidation, I may not say something that I should say. Or when I say, remember, he's in bonds. When, when, when you're in bonds, when you're, when you're a prisoner, it's a whole lot harder. Now, you have plenty of opportunity to speak, but in fear, let's just be honest, we don't have to be in fear, uh, uh, we don't have to be in bonds to be afraid to tell somebody about Jesus, do we? Let's just be honest. It, it, it can be scary sometimes. If you do it in your own strength and you do it in your own way, listen, it can be terrifying to bring up that conversation with somebody, uh, somebody that you know, somebody you care about, uh, worried about what they might think, worried about what they might say, worried, how, worried about how it might affect your relationship or affect your job or affect many other different ways. In which you, it can be a fearful thing for a child of God. And it shouldn't be, but it is. Even Paul himself, the writer of uh, the majority of the New Testament, said, pray for me that I have utterance, that I might, in my chains, in my bonds, speak boldly the mystery of the gospel. If Paul needed, needed prayer for that, how much more do we? 
Now we talked about last week in Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, uh, how God, if we ask him, he will, he will gladly give us the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. We can pray for it and he will give it to us. But listen, that means we need to pray for it. We need to seek God to, to give us the utterance. We need to seek God. I pray, I hope that you pray for me, that God gives me the utterance, not just to get up here and preach, though please pray for that, but that I can go out there and preach. And guess what? I'll pray for you too. I do pray for you that, that God gives you the, the power and the ability and the understanding of when to speak and when to close your mouth because sometimes it's not God's time for you to open your mouth and speak. So we need to have a discerning spirit to the Holy Spirit to know when and how and what to say. But we always need the power of God to say it. Continuing on, verse, verse, uh, verse 20, he says, For which, no, before, hold on a second, before you go any further, uh, the last verse is to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I just want to clarify what the gospel is. The gospel is not inviting somebody to church. I'm glad if you invite folks to church. You should invite folks to church. But that is not the gospel. You know what the gospel is? First Corinthians, turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The word gospel means good news. But Paul gives us what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look with me in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel. He died for our sins. Now, they need to understand that they need somebody to die for their sins, that they're sinners. And that, that comes through the law, that comes through uh, uh, us witnessing and testifying. But the gospel is, the good news is, that we, even though we are sinners, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And that he died and then rose again the third day. He had victory over sin, and he had a victory over death. And if we believe in that... Hannah's, Hannah's verse in Sunday school, I heard it about 50 times this morning. She has been, yes, well, I heard it last night and this morning. She has been, I've never seen her practice a verse harder in my life. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Right, brother? All right. That if that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and if thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What a glorious truth. But that right there is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul says, I, I need you to pray for me that I might have utterance, that I might be able to logically reason and, 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 and instruct the, these people, uh, not just uh, to tell them that Jesus died for them. They need to know why. They, uh, and there's, there's much for them to understand. But, uh, but he's praying for the power and praying for the utterance to do it. And we need to pray for the same thing. Uh, uh, verse 20 went on, went on, goes on to say this. It says, for which I am an ambassador. Paul, uh, Paul here has a, 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 a chosen position. Uh, he, God has placed him to be an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, to be an ambassador is a, is a special job. If you're an ambassador for the United States, you're appointed by the president. 
the, the president appoints, appoints you and you're to go to whatever nation you're an ambassador to and you are to represent uh, the country in which you come from as an ambassador. How much uh, there, there is, there, there, there's benefit to that. There is, there is uh, power in that. There is authority in that position. But can I tell you there is greater authority and greater power and, and greater responsibility for being an ambassador of Jesus Christ and of the gospel. Jesus Christ himself gave the, gave, gives us the authority to go forth and to preach the gospel. Uh, the, he says that, that God gave him the authority, and he has endued us or has, has presented with us that authority. And what a responsibility it is to go and represent the gospel because there are billions of people in this world that are dying without Jesus Christ. And listen, they're all across the world, but they're also right in your neighborhood. They're right next door. They're, some of them are part of your family. Listen, some of them are right here today. I want you to understand there is a need for a clear presentation and understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ because without it, it isn't that they just don't know, but they die and they spend eternity in hell and separated from God in torment. Say, oh, well, you believe that. It's not what I believe. It's what the Bible teaches. And if the word of God, God's own word, tells us that this is true, then we must bear the, the responsibility that God has placed upon us to go forth and tell it. But instead we sit back and we, somebody will do it. You know, I'll put some money in missions. They can go do it. Now, there's a benefit to that. They, they need our prayer support. They need our financial support uh, uh, to, to be able to go over to these countries where we cannot go and spread the gospel. I thank, I thank God for those missionaries that we have in countries all over this world. Uh, some are Americans that are there. Some are national pastors that, that, that live there that we support. And if you're giving the missions, there's, I'm not... I'm not downplaying missions at all. Uh, praise God for that. And there, you, there will be a benefit in that. But greater than that, but more than that, we need to be the missionaries here. We have a responsibility here. We can't do that and leave this undone. This is the greater need, and this will be the, 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 greater, the greater responsibility is to tell those that are here, because if we tell those nations, in fact, it's already happening. It's been happening since uh, for years now where they're sending missionaries back to the United States because the Christians here aren't doing the job. It was a chosen position. He was an ambassador. Notice his circumstantial predicament. While he's an ambassador for the gospel, he's in bonds. It's not like he can travel around and, and, and tell people about Jesus. But even that didn't limit him. If you look at the end of the book of Acts, uh, it, and for sake of time, we won't do it. There's no, there's no clock, by the way, so I might go three hours. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't see one around, but uh, here, I'll pull this up. I'm not going to look at it, but <laughs> Dan picked it up. All right, so uh, he's, he's in bonds. Uh, 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 he can't go out, but if we looked at the, at the end of Acts, what happened? He comes in there, and people want to hear what he has to say. They've heard of Paul, but they, and some of them may have heard some bad things, and, uh, but they, they wanted to hear from his mouth. And he, he drew in a crowd. He couldn't go out, but he was on, under house arrest. And, man, they came to hear, and he preached to them. The Bible says all day, all day, it was not a... Bam, 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 all right, now you just need to bow your head and pray. He took the, the Old Testament and proved to the, those men that, that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah. 
And, and he, he took that and, and showed that to him. And it says, some believed. And some didn't. And some said, you know, we'd like to come back and hear you on the matter. You do that in moms. You're free. You are free to roam wherever you'd like to go. You have, you, you have freedom of speech. Well, uh, listen, America is, is one of the few places you have freedom of speech. And even that's kind of on the chopping block right now. We need to be very careful about that in our country. But, but, but don't misunderstand. You have that now. Are you using it? Now, uh, the, the disciples didn't have freedom of speech. What were they told? They said, don't go out and preach in the name of that man anymore. And they beat him. And they kicked him out of the temple. And what did they do? They went back to the church and said, this is, this is what they said. And they prayed and they asked God, remove us from this? No. Protect us? No. They said, God, give us boldness that no matter what happens, we preach the gospel. Listen, we need to pray for boldness, that we are to be obedient to the word of God and the command of God for every child of God. He said, Paul said, pray for me. I'm saying we need to pray this for ourselves first and then pray for it for one another. We all need utterance. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. We've seen the, this predicament but look at his con consistent purpose. He says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He didn't care about the bonds. He knew what his purpose was. In fact, the bonds were part of God's purpose in his life. The bonds got him to Rome where he was to preach the gospel. Because he was in bonds, he got to go places to preach the gospel to people that would have never listened to him otherwise. Listen, I don't care. I, I don't. I don't know what bonds you might be under. I, I. I don't know what situation or trials you might be going through. It could be something health-wise. It could be something financial-wise. We all have different different circumstances in which we live, and because of those circumstances, we meet different people. If you, if you have been diagnosed with cancer and are going to the cancer center, guess what? You're going to meet people that I'm not going to meet. And you're going to, because of the, your, your circumstances, have an opportunity to share the gospel with those that I may never get to see. Say, but you don't understand. I've got cancer. Paul was in bonds, and his head got chopped off, which is more deadly. I'm just being serious. I'm not trying to downplay cancer. It's a terrible disease, and I'll pray for your healing. And, and listen, I'll, I'll be there to help you through that. But I want you to understand, God is giving you an opportunity with every circumstance in your life to preach the gospel. Even if it's a difficult trial. How many of you remember the darts? The Dart family, they, they traveled around saying, uh, 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 in the end, the last couple of years, it was just Stoney and BJ, Stoney Dart and BJ, I don't remember, Spear, the Darts and the Spears. Stoney, right after they stopped traveling, got cancer. And for the next year and a half, BJ was his right-hand man, their best friends. I can't imagine watching my best friend that I'd, Traveled with, go through what he did. I can't imagine being that one. I've never had to go through that. But God used them. He got to preach the guy. He, when they, at one of the hospitals, they found out that he used to sing, and he got to sing. 
singing and praise God. I got to see the video. Wow, what a blessing that was. What happened? He was able to be a witness of the glory and the grace of God and of the gospel, even though he had cancer and eventually died of it. So that's just not fair. Is it fair to get your head cut off? Nothing in life is fair. God doesn't promise that you're going to have a, a long, happy life forever and ever, and you'll never have any trials. What he does promise is that he'll be there with you through it all. Because without Christ, you're alone and you have no hope. With Christ, you have a comforter. With Christ, you have one who will give you strength that though your body may die, your spirit will be renewed day by day. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what troubles you're facing. I don't know the, the situation you're facing at work or how difficult or stressful or, or, or hurtful people can be. But I want you to understand this. God has given you an opportunity in that place at that time to preach the gospel. And that is, should be your purpose. Your purpose should not be your paycheck. In America today, that is our purpose. We buy a house. And then we go and we work 40 to 60 to 80 hours a week so that we can sleep in that house. We don't run in there any other time. We just sleep there. Or we, 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 we work it so we can buy a TV so we can sit there in front of a TV. Now, I'm not saying that a house is bad. I've got a house. I hope you all have roofs over your heads. Uh, uh, but, but in America, it's, our focus is so many times on things and on entertainment and on comforts. And we, we work for those things. We work to live. But let me tell you, as far as God's concerned, that's not living. And that should not be our purpose. Everything that we do should be done for the honor and glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel. Because there's going to come a day, I'm going to preach on this next week, there's going to come a day when we're going to stand before God. And say, I'm saved, yes, praise the Lord. We'll all stand before God and we'll all be judged. And God's going to separate those lost from the, uh, those that are saved, but then those that are saved are going to stand before God in the great white throne judgment, and God is going to judge our works, what we did. Remember, we've been created unto good works. He's going to judge those good works. He's going to judge them by fire. And by that, I mean God knows your motives and the reasoning why you did those good works. And you can do good works, and those, you can do things that appear good, but because your motive was tainted, God knows that, and they'll burn up in fire. I believe there will be many that are ashamed on that day. Your purpose cannot be for the things of this world, for temporary pleasures. Our purpose as children of God should be to glorify God and to further his kingdom. Now, lastly, in conclusion, I say that, there's still several verses, but don't, don't get your hopes up. Here in verse 21, we find a committed supporter of Paul's. He says, But that which ye may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Tychicus was, was mentioned several times, well, I say several, three or four times. Uh, he is the one, I believe, who, uh, along with Onesimus, brought the, the letter to the letter of the book of Ephesians, or the letter uh, to the church at Ephesus, um, he, he's 
in the book of Acts, you find him with Paul. Uh, you find him in the book of Titus. Uh, he is described in, in the Bible, and this is all we really know about him, as a fellow servant, a fellow minister. He was a friend of Paul, a brother in Christ. Here he's described, as, he's described in this verse as a beloved brother and faithful minister. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for friends in ministry. For, the, for those that serve alongside me and, and, and uh, that are, are, their, their desire is the same as mine, to, to see the gospel put forth. Uh, 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 those that I know are praying for me. Uh, I get a, every, every Sunday morning, I get a text from a pastor in Jay. It says, it says Brother Richard, I prayed for you this morning. And this is how I pray God would use you. I know he does that for a lot of pastors, but he doesn't, he, each one is individual. Oh, what a blessing that is. An encouragement that a man, he's got his own messages to preach and his own church to pray for, and, and, and that, that he comes alongside and, and just takes the time to, to pray for, and listen, all, many of us pray for other pastors, but that takes the time to, to, to let us know that. What, a, what a, an encouragement. Uh, brother, brother Mark Thren, I reached out to him this week. I was praying for him. I said, brother, I love you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I didn't know that his, that his family was going to get in a car accident the next day. Praise the Lord, they're all, they're all okay. Um, but the, all, the little, all the littles and uh, Mrs. Thren and Ben were in the van. Ben was driving. They hit ice in New York and totaled the van, ro- rolled it, and prayed for him. I'm thankful for friends uh, in ministry. Uh, uh, the, man, the, when, when when Mark Thren the first, they, they came came through here the first time, what a they ministered to our souls. And whether or not they ministered, I believe they ministered to yours. They ministered to to my families. Our church had gone through a difficult time up to that. It was just it was just good to sit and to fellowship in the Word, and I thank God for those 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 men that I that I can I can lean on in ministry. Talk to Brother Gary Willett's one. Not only that, I'm thankful for the, the folks in our membership in our church right here that I, that, that I love, that I consider friends, that I can pray with, and that, that, I, can, that I can talk to and, and, and just fellowship with. What a blessing it is to, to have those people. Antichicus was, was one of those supporters, one of those fellow servants with Paul. He traveled with Paul, went through many of the things Paul went through. And, and, and so the, there was a, a bond between them. Uh, but uh, notice how he characterizes them there in verse uh, 21. He says, A beloved brother. Man, he loved him. We all need to have those brothers and sisters in Christ that there is a bond between us. We can say, I, I, I love them. Listen, I, I, when we start throwing the word love around and hugging people, men tend to kind of tend to get, well, I, you're a nice guy. I, like, you just can't get the word out. No. The Bible says we're to be known by love for one another. Amen? We're to love one another. 
and all, and, and all that God means by the word love. Not what the world means by the word love, but all what God means by the word love. If you're, if you're not sure what that is, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, very, very clear in the definition of love. Uh, uh, so, uh, but, but, but we're to love one another, and, and it's, a, it's a necessary thing to have those that are around you that you love. Jesus or John loved Jesus, and Jesus loved John. And, but where's John always found? Right next to him. Last supper, he was leaning upon his breast. Uh, leaning against his chest at the Last Supper. Man, that's, that, 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 that love, that, that kinship, that, that closeness. Uh, uh, David and Jonathan in the Old Testament, uh, uh, they were, they were, their, their spirits were knit together. There was a loving bond between them. So much so that after Jonathan was dead, David took care of his son Mephibosheth, a, a, a lame young man, and, and honored his relationship with the father because of his, uh, through, through his relationship with the son. Uh, there needs to be a loving kinship between brothers and sisters in Christ. We need that. And, and can I tell you this? You, you don't get that by coming to church once a week on Sunday and walking out the door as soon as the service is over and never talking to anybody. You don't get it. You miss it. You miss the fellowship. You miss the bond. We are called to exhort one another. You, you miss it watching from home. All of you that are watching from home, I, I, there, there are times when I've had to watch from home. And, and so I understand if you're sick, if you've got COVID or whatever else, or you've got the flu and you're puking everywhere, stay home. If you're unable to get out because of your age or your health, or, or, or stay home, I understand that, and I'll come visit you. But, but listen, if you choose to stay home and sit there watching this, all of this on screen, you don't get to shake hands with anybody, you don't get to hug anybody, you don't get to exhort one another, you don't get to receive that. Don't stay home. Come if you can, because you're missing out otherwise. We need that loving fellowship that we have with one another. Paul, Paul says, I'm sending him to you. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister. The word faithful, I mean, he, he, he's, he's faithful unto the Lord, and, and, and he's a servant. He faithfully serves. He's not going to come to you and say, hey, I am Paul's right-hand man. You need to listen to me. He's coming with news of Paul. He's coming to comfort them and to exhort them. But he's not coming there trying to take some, some position of power. We think of the word minister, and many times people think pastor. Understand, uh, the, Paul even says that, that, that he is a minister. But the word minister literally means, it's the, it's the, it's the word servant or slave. It isn't a position of power. It's the word to serve. And to minister to the to the needs of the people. Think about a shepherd. Well, he may lead the, lead the sheep around. What is he doing? If he's going from one field to another, they're, they're hungry and they need to eat. So he's taking them to a place where they can eat. When when I labor over a, a message and I, and I pray and I, I study, listen, all that. I, it's not because I want you to think how smart I am. Because listen, I'm not smart. I talk a few minutes and y'all get that. I, 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 I labor and I, I put all this work in because I want to give you the word of God so that you can be fed spiritually and so that you can grow. It's service. It's all service. And Paul, Paul says that, this, that he's a beloved, a beloved uh, friend and a, a faithful minister. His loyal commitment to Paul and his loyal commitment to serve, praise God for him. But Paul gave him an, an important commission we see that here in verse 20, 22, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs. 
Paul, Paul, Paul wanted them, wanted to know how they were doing, and he wanted them to know how he was doing, to comfort them. Remember, Paul was the one who started this church. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 20, he goes and, and he, he speaks to the church here and says, I'm not going to be coming back. They, they understood that. They, they, they parted ways with tears. They didn't want him to go to Jerusalem because they knew that he'd be arrested. Uh, there, was, there was a relationship there. He says, I'm sending him there to, to speak to you. I'm sending him there to, to let you know how I'm doing and, and so I can find out how, how you're doing. And listen, that, that knowledge is comfort, amen? Say, you're, Paul, you're in bonds, you're in prison. But God's here, isn't he? And so that, that reminder of, of what God is doing in their lives, what God is doing in them, there's, there's comfort and inspiration. Lastly, in the last couple of verses, we see Paul's closing statement or his salutation. He says, peace, to be, peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. With his closing statement, we see uh, uh, this precious salutation. He, he wants them to have peace. We understand peace only comes from God. And he's praying that they would have peace in their lives. Peace of mind, peace of heart. But peace of mind only comes from God. So in the salutation, he says, peace be unto you. Be unto the brethren. Notice that the second part says, and love with faith. There's a powerful combination. You can have Faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Our faith is given to us by God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is strengthened through trials given to us by God. But faith without love is nothing. So where do you get that? 1 Corinthians 13. Though I have faith to move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. It's, it's important to understand that his desire is not that they just have faith, but their faith in God is combined with love. May God help us in the same way. We also see this, verse 20, 23 and 24, Peace be with the brethren, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ. And sincerity. I want you to notice this last part. All this grace and grace, grace be with them. We're saved by grace, amen. We understand grace for salvation, but grace is in every aspect of our life. Everything that we have, we have by the grace of God. It's the word grace means undeserved favor. Every gift of God is by God's grace. Every ministry that's given to us, every gift that's given to us spiritually, every blessing that we receive is done by the grace of God. We are children of We're saved by God's grace. We're kept by God's grace. We live by God's grace. Notice what he says. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ. And he adds this word. In sincerity. There's a particular stipulation here. He says, grace be to those that love God sincerely, or in sincerity, in truth. 
So there are those that say they love God. But in truth, in action, they don't. It's one thing to, if I told my wife I love her. As our, we are, we've been married for 14 years last week. So she has put up, it's been a happy marriage for 13. Nobody got the joke. Good, don't tell her. <clears throat> we've been happily married for 14 years. I praise God for her. God's brought her into my life, and God has blessed me with, with her. I tell her I love her. I made this, this, this commitment to her on marriage day one. I, you deserve to be told that I love you every day. And she does. But you know what she deserves more than being told that I love her every day? She deserves to be shown that I love her every day. It, it's, it's, it's not just about saying something. It's about living it out. In fact, the, the 1 Corinthians 13, we say lo- it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's about love, which it is. But it's, the word is charity, and those are acts of love. Right? Patience, uh, long, long suffering. Those are actions of love. It's not just that I say I love her. She sees that I love her. And the way that I act around her, and the way that I treat her, and the way that I honor her and respect her, the way I, 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 the way I speak about her, the way I speak about her to others or to her, uh, all of those things are actions of love. Uh, in Washing the dishes. Listen, I don't wash dishes because I like washing dishes. It's an act of love for my wife because she hates washing dishes. I can stand it. She cannot. So I'll wash the dishes. It's an act of love, act of, act of service. Uh, so Paul says... Grace be to all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. He's not, he doesn't want you just to shout, I love you, God, or I love the Lord. Because every one of us, if I, asked you, if I asked you to raise your hand, do you love God, guess what's going to happen? Every hand's going to go up. See, I love God, I'm here. You can be here for lots of different reasons. What about tomorrow? It's got to go to know that you love him tomorrow? Or the next day, or the next day? What about on Wednesday? Thursday, we're all focused on Thanksgiving, so we're all going to say, we love God, thank the Lord for all he's given to us because it's a holiday and we're told we have to do it. The truth is, Thanksgiving should be every day. We should be praising, come back this afternoon and you'll hear, hear a, a, a message on Thanksgiving. You expected that this morning, didn't you? No, just kidding. This grace... And Paul said it was for those who love the Lord sincerely. May God know that we love him sincerely. May we show it in the way that we live our lives. How do we do it? By going back a couple, couple chapters and walking worthy of the, vo- of the, of the, of the uh, calling wherewith we're called. By walking worthy of his name. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, I thank you for the great truths that, we've, that we have found here in, in the book of Ephesians. And God, I, I ask for your help this morning. I pray that your spirit would have free reign to work in each one of us. God, I pray that you would just help us to, help us to get out of our, our way, your way, and yield, the, uh, yield to the Holy Spirit as he, as he works in our hearts. Lord, if there's one saved today, God, I pray that you would touch their heart, that they might come to you by faith, see their need, Lord, and trust in Jesus. Uh, for the rest of us, God, I pray that... Uh, Lord, that your spirit would work and that we would be tender to the the working of your spirit. And uh, Lord, may you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, nice clothes, just for a moment.